But how many of you believe God with me tonight for utterance? Amen. Now remember this evening as the word of God goes forth, this isn't just going to go forth in this congregation here. People download tapes or download CDs and they watch the videos all over the world, really. We receive a lot of hits from different places. And so the more active you can be in participating in getting your receivers and your expectors out there real big, not only will you help the preacher, but I believe that as the word of God goes forth into the United States, and really I believe all over the world, the word of God is going to have free course. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, I just want to make a little correction to our bulletin this morning. Um, We are going to do a men's and women's emphasis in the month of September on Wednesday evenings. That's going to be starting on September, I believe, the whatever the date is. And there's a little typo in the bulletin. It says that we're going to be kicking it off with a pizza night on this Wednesday, August 5th, but actually it's going to be kicked off in September. So that's just a little typo, but that's something uh, to look forward to. Amen? Amen? Now, I don't know if we're having children's ministry tonight or not, but children's uh, CIA, you are dismissed. Praise God. Let's pray. Amen. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of being together and to call upon your name. We look to the greater one who lives on the inside of us to rise up big and to teach us, to minister to us, to encourage, to edify, and to comfort each person here. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Revelation 12:11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know, John 8, 36 says this, If the Son, speaking of Jesus, therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. One translation says, So if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. So I believe salvation is all-inclusive. It not only belongs spiritual salvation out of darkness belongs to you, but there's wholeness that's available for the entire area of your life spirit soul body financially and relationally do you believe that tonight and so as we said a little bit earlier freedom comes on the wings of truth so what is freedom what is liberty simply defined freedom is the state of being exempt from the control of another basically when you are free that means there is no more bondage in your life Now, that may be alcohol bondage, it may be drug bondage, it may be anger bondage, it may be credit card bondage, it could be physical bondage in the area of an ailment that's chronic, that's been hanging on your life for several years. The main thing I want you to see is that Jesus Christ came to set us all free. I love Ephesians 1, 7 in the message. You don't need to turn there nor bring it up. But let me read it to you. It says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all of our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, but we are abundantly free. Amen? Spirit, soul, and body and so the purpose for this emphasis on the part of the vision 
for healing the hurting is to help people. You know, my God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for me, he will do for you. What he's done for Brother George, he will do for you. He loves all of us equally the same. He's no respecter of persons, but he is looking for our response of faith, and he's looking for our response of trusting in him. Amen? See, without faith, we can't please him. Now, we don't want to center on without because we have faith. We have the measure of mountain-moving faith. We have the capability to believe, to receive, and to take everything that belongs to us in God. So, you don't have to look very far and don't have to be real alert, if you will, to know that we live in an addicted society. We live in a society that's on more pills now than ever has been. There are people that are hurting in their mind. There are people that are hurting in their bodies. And there are people that are hurting in their emotions. And there are people clinging to things that are, do not have the ability to bring lasting freedom in their lives. You know, in Timothy, he says it like this way. He said, this know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. We live in a me-first generation of selfish people. And I was one of those. Just a little bit of background on myself. Many of you know my testimony. I was born way back in 1950. That makes me 64 years old. Soon to be 65. And I grew up a Catholic in the south side of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I grew up in a very, I guess you would say, a normal home for people that weren't born again. They did all of the normal things that, you know, parents do. My dad had a good job. My mother was a housewife. But there was quite a bit of partying. And there's quite a bit of drinking in our household. And so I thought that that was something that was normal. And, you know, if I'm going to follow my dad's example, I'm going to have to open a beer bottle or two when I'm about in second grade. <laughs> I went down to the corner restaurant. They had little neighborhood restaurants in those days. <laughs> and I went down there with a dollar that I think I'd probably stolen from my dad's wallet. And I went down there, I said, give me two hamburgers and a beer. Second grade. He looked at me like, are you crazy? Who is this guy? So I grew up in that kind of environment. And so I, as a product of that environment, I began to, you know, drink and I began to smoke marijuana. But I could never, ever just do one drink or smoke one joint or take one shot or snort one line. To make a long story short, by the time I was 23 years old, I was addicted from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet with heroin. And I'm not here to exalt that fact. I'm here to exalt the fact that Jesus Christ came into my life and he set me totally free. I listened this week earlier to the testimony that I did about 10 or 15 years ago at church that is online if you want it. You can get a lot of details on there, and there's quite a bit of humor in there. 
And you can listen to that. You can get a CD of it. It'll help you and it will bless you. But my purpose tonight is not to talk about all that I did and all that I was because I know this day that I am redeemed and that I am a new creation. But I want to share with you some things that I implemented on my journey toward being free or to being sober. Everyone say SOS. The first thing that I did is I made a quality decision when I was 23 years old. I had my fill of drugs. I had my fill of emotional toil. I had my fill of running from the police. I had my fill of that lifestyle. And I came to a place where my bottom was, where I came to an end to myself, and I cried out for help. And you may be there tonight. Your bottom could be different than the bottom that I experienced. Your bottom might be prescription drugs. Your bottom might be anger. Your bottom could be alcohol. I don't know what your bottom is. Your bottom could be chronic pain. But you're saying to me tonight, Pastor Mark, I am absolutely tired of being this way. And I need help. And so it starts with making a quality decision. Now, I'd like you to put up Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, if you will. Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter in the 19th verse. It says, I call to heaven, I call to record this day, heaven and earth. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing, therefore, do what? Choose life so that you may live and your seed may live. So we see here, and let's keep that up for a moment, that true freedom starts with a decision of quality. Now, the decisions that you make... And by the way, you have the power to make the right choices in life. The enemy has not taken your chooser over. You're a free moral agent and you can choose to be free from drugs, choose to be free from pain, choose to be free from sickness and disease. But something about the power of making the right choices, not only is it a principle of freedom and it will help you, But notice who else gets helped when you make the right choices in your life. He says that both you and your seed, that they may live. You see, people that are addicted and people that have a me-first mindset have themselves on their mind so much that they don't stop and think how their mess is affecting other people. Are you listening to me? How... They are acting can affect their children. How they're acting can affect people on the job. I'm so glad that I made the right choice. Because the right choice has proved out for me. And it's been a testimony of the goodness and the glory of God. And many people have been helped, not because of me, 
but have been helped because of what he has done in me and what he will do through me. And he'll do the same thing for you. See, that's what Christianity is all about. Receiving from the Lord and then giving out what you have freely received. Say it me. Freely have I received. And freely I shall give. So I came to a point in my life that I had to admit that I really needed help. And that I, Mark Thomas, had absolutely no power over that monkey that was on my back that had held me in bondage. I was powerless. In the natural realm, I was helpless. Now many people battle with the admission of needing help. It's called denial. And denial is not just a river in Egypt. But denial is a mask that really keeps people from true freedom. I read this from some of the materials from Celebrate Recovery, and I'm sure Brother George will recognize this immediately. But denial is a false system of beliefs that's not based on reality. It is a self-protecting behavior that keeps us from honestly facing the truth. Now, the truth will set us free. But we must admit that we need help before the truth can have an impact on our life. I admit it. I came to that place. You know, to be honest with you, for a number of years while I was addicted, I thought that was the norm because I felt good as long as I had the drugs in my system. I felt good. When the sun was out, it was a sunny day. But the further I got down that line of addiction, and the further I got down toward my bottom, the nastier the days looked, and the harsher life became in my life. See, the enemy is a deceiver. How many of you know that sin has pleasure, howbeit, for a season? And that season can be very short. And when that season is over... The sting of sin oftentimes is death. Maybe not physical death, but the death of a marriage. The death of a relationship. Just death. And death ain't good for you and I. Because he came that we'd have life. And that we would have it more abundantly. So I admitted that I needed help. I had a couple of guys that I had gone to grade school with and actually had gone to high school with as well, that had already been through Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, and that what was available in those days. And you know, I thank God for AA, and I thank God for NA. And I may talk a little bit about that later. But I had a couple of friends that had already been through the valley of the shadow of death. So in the pit of my addiction, I would call them during the day sometimes, or call them in the middle of the night, And I would say, this is Mark. And they'd say, what's going on, Mark? And I would tell them what was happening to my life. I was just on the edge, just about ready to fall off the cliff. 
And what they said to me, we are here for you. We're here to help you. Here's what happened in our lives. And the things that happened in our lives can happen in your life. So in the midst of darkness, it was a ray of hope. Because I knew these guys. (laughs) I knew from whence they came. And I knew how far God brought them out and how far God brought them up. And if he did it for them, he might just do it for me. And so I flirted with, if you will, the idea of just turning myself over and turning myself in so that I could get the help from this awful addiction that was on my back. I was calling out, and there were people there to help me. You may be here tonight, and you're saying, I've never experienced anything like you're talking about, but guess what? You can be a help to the hurting. And you do not have to go through what Brother George and I and Brother Tillery went through. You can be a light, and you can be salt for people that are hurting. Why? Because you've got the answer for people. And you know what the answer is? His name is J-E-S-U-S. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't turn away from people that are authentically crying out and calling out for help. You see, when you admit that you need help, when you admit that you're addicted, when you admit that these prescription drugs are literally driving you to a point of despair. When you admit that even through credit card debt, you're literally driving yourself into a further pit of debt, and it's affecting you, and it's affecting your family, it's affecting your marriage. When you admit that your anger is out of control, and you cry out for help, I'm telling you what, help's on its way. For the Lord is our helper. Hallelujah. He's our light. Amen. And so the second SOS, if you will, or principle that we want to share with you is we must then stop the denial and stop all excuses. Stop the excuses. Creflo Dollar says this about excuses. And I study great men of God's messages And I will take little nuggets from great men of God's messages. And he said this, that excuses are nails used to build a house of failure. Excuses are nails used to build a house of failure. There's some hindrances to change. There's some hindrances that we can run into on the road to recovery. There's some hindrances that we can run into on the road to, if you will, divine health. You know, there's such a thing as divine healing, right? That means that God will touch you if you're sick and heal you. But there's another thing called divine health to where when any disease touches your body, it just dies instantly. But there are some things that can hinder us. And I've experienced all of it. (laughs) And many of you have too. Here's some hindrances 
to change. Well, you know, I'm doing okay. Uh, my marriage is all right. I, I haven't lost my temper for a couple of weeks. You know, I haven't had a drink or I haven't taken a shot for about a month. You know, I, I'm okay. I don't think I really need to change. You know what that is? That's pride. And you know what else it is? It's arrogance. And I find in the book of Proverbs that pride and arrogance always goes before a fall. You know, when I went into treatment, ladies and gentlemen, my hair was down to here. I was about 140 pounds. I was full of the devil. I mean full of the devil. And I ended up in a treatment center where they had, and I'm not sure what the politically correct word is today, but in those days they called them uh, mental retardation and mentally insane. It's probably not politically correct, but it was a state hospital filled with people that were in there for life. And then there was us. <laughs> then there was us. Then there were the cons that they didn't know what to do with, that the courts just sent to the state hospital called the Red Roof College because the state hospital had a red roof. That was the place that all the drunken priests would go to for drinking too much wine. That's the place that all the meth addicts would do that the nice treatment centers didn't want. That was the place for guys like me. They were still addicted. They didn't know what to do with us. So they put us in this hospital. And you know, they told me that, oh, you're going to go to this place in Minnesota and it's got cottages. And I'm thinking, wow, cottages, a lake, a couple of joints, a little wine, woman and song. This treatment ain't going to be that bad. This is going to be awesome. Oh, yeah, we can beat the Coke. We can beat the heroin. No problem. Just give me a Heineken and a couple Colombian Reds and a little hashish, and I'll be all right. <laughs> Whoa, what a surprise. What a shock to the system. This proud, this arrogant drug dealer, so full of himself, walks in to this state hospital Then, in the middle of the night you would literally hear people that had been there for years screaming and crying out. This one that was so full of pride saying, oh yeah, I can do this. Little did I know how tough it would really be. Because you see, when I went there, I wasn't born again. And so I was like that cat. You've seen the picture of that cat that's hanging on to that little thread? It says, hang in there, baby. It's almost Friday. Literally, my mind went on me. My body began to hurt. And I came to the realization that heroin, cocaine, Valium, marijuana, hashish, alcohol came with the same impact on a person's life. Chemical dependency is not just being dependent on one drug. When you go to be free from drugs and free from addictions, 
you cut it all off. Amen. And it was a revelation to me. It was such a revelation that I ran away for a week. I'll be honest with you. I got so tired not being able to sleep that I called my friend on the phone and said, Come get me! So he came and got me. And for a week I went on a binge, sold drugs, did this, did that, did this. But again, it wasn't any fun anymore. I came to an end of myself. And on December 18, 1975, the Saturday that the Minnesota Vikings beat the St. Louis Cardinals was the last day I ever used anything. To God be the glory. Well, I don't need to change. And then some people are afraid to change. They're, they're, they're afraid to, to go to a group. They're afraid to, to take a few months out of their life and go somewhere to do what's necessary to get themselves freed up. One of my friends that I called on the phone in the middle of the night said, Mark, he said, what's six months compared to the rest of your life? Now, I don't think treatment centers are six months now. Sometimes they're 14 days, 21 days. Is that right, Charles? You worked in a treatment center for how many years? Five years. But the point I'm making is this, is you must not be afraid of that which can help you. Fear, Joyce Meyer says, is false evidence appearing real. So don't you settle for less than God wants to give you. He wants to give you His best. And you'll be just amazed at how many of His people He's got out there in those centers. And how many of those wonderful, good people are out there in the world who know Christ and are there to roll up their sleeves and lend a helping hand into your life. Thank God for men and women that stand with you and stand in the gap. Amen? And then there's just people that, you know, quite frankly, they're rebellious. They don't want to change. And then I've met people like this, and I don't mean it wrong, because I love the people of God, but I understand, after being in the ministry for almost 40 years, that there are some people that you just love and you pray for, but they're never going to change. They're never going to change, because they're just flat lazy. Just flat lazy. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in this room tonight, so drop your stones. They don't like the challenge of changing. You know, you could tread on some pretty treacherous ground tonight, but if there are things in your life physically that you're doing that are bringing hurt to your physical body, it's time to make a change. If there are things that you're ingesting that are hurting you physically, it's time to make a change. And those changes, like those types of changes, those are very difficult to do without help. And so there's this admission that must take place. 
And denial must be put under our feet. And we must put pride down and say, you know what? I'm going to fight for my life. I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm going to fight for my divine health. And I'm going to fight for my soul to no longer be entwined and bound by the spirit of this world. Say with me, I'm going to fight. So then, I'm encouraging you tonight to create an environment for staying clean and sober. Create the right kind of environment for you to get the help, anger management, grief recovery, divorce recovery. You know, I've understood that in the Bay Area, there are tons of areas and tons of places where you can get help. Did you know that? There's places where you can get into classes on grief recovery. There's places you can get into classes on divorce recovery. There's anger management help out there. There's all sorts of help. And so we must put ourselves then out there. Say it with me. He's my helper. And he works through people that can offer help. And thank God, how many of you are born again here tonight? How many of you are born again? You know you got a counselor living on the inside of you. You know you know you got the comforter living on the inside of you. You know you got the paraclete on the inside of you. See now, in my case, I was just too bound up and I was too full of myself to research things on my own. So find some people that have been through some similar things that you're going through. Find some people that can share with you some options that will be able to help you. It may be a program. It might be a strong support group. For me, it was getting into an extensive treatment center. Now listen, let's talk about healing just for a moment. How many of you like it when you feel good? You know, James Brown liked it a lot. (laughs) Didn't he? (laughs) Hallelujah. I don't know if that's a hallelujah or not, but he's, I feel good. Amen. Sabrina had Caden in my office not too long ago, and he's kind of got that James Brown hair on him. And so I was laying on the floor with Caden, and I was playing some music on my iPad, and he was crawling over. Man, he likes that music. (laughs) But really, how many of you just, you just like to feel good? How many of you would just love to feel good for the rest of your life? Amen. Now, we're going to have some challenges, right? We're going to hit some roadblocks, right? So what do we do? We're not just pawns. We're not just at the uh, mercy of the flu. We're not just at the mercy of what may be running in our families. No, we're under the mercy of Almighty God. But listen, friends. There is a medicine that you and I should be taking daily for our physical health. Amen? And that medicine is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. Let me quote it to you. He said, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Keep my words in the midst of thine heart. And then he goes on to say, for they, my words, are what? They're life to those that what? They're life to those that find them. 
There's plenty in the Word about divine healing and divine health, but we've got to find them. And then it goes on to say, and the Word of God is health or it is medicine to all their flesh. God's medicine will work if you're sick, it'll heal you. But God's medicine is also preventative medicine that will keep you strong and keep you healthy. Now here's the great thing about it. Back in the 70s when we came into the kingdom of God, when we came into the family of God, there were resources out there. But today the resources on the subject of healing have multiplied. I can't even give you a number. If you've got a computer, you can look up healing scriptures. Just get you about 20... 25 or 50 or so, get them in front of your eyes, get them in your heart, and speak them regularly. Not just when you get sick. I want to emphasize that. Not just when you get sick. And there are principles of recovery that we must keep before our eyes regularly. It's all in the Word. Not just when you're tempted. But when you're having a good day, when you're having a good week, keep these principles before you. And the truth of God's Word will keep you, will heal you, will help you, will lift you. And listen, in the evil day, He will enable you to overcome them. And the evil day comes to all of us. Anybody here tonight that thinks they're beyond temptation is deceived. Amen? But thank God we've got the keys to overcome every temptation. And then, surround yourself. Here's another principle. Surround yourself, so important, with the right people. Now how does this transfer and translate into healing for your body? There are people, good people, that will try to talk you out of your faith. There are programs, if you listen to them closely, you will find they'll try to talk you out of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We love them. We pray for them. But as far as keeping close company with those who are unbelieving believers, no thanks. I've got too much at stake. And so do you. So surround yourself with the right people. Here's what I did. I separated myself from people, places, and things, and triggers. Triggers that did not contribute to my staying clean and sober. There's always an ex-girlfriend that doesn't understand why their little honey went into treatment. Oh, yes, I knew you had a heroin addiction, but can't we just have a little wine together? There's always an old friend. There's always someone that comes to your house and leans on the horn. Might be even pooky in them. <laughs> Say, come on now, we're going we're gonna to go clubbing. You don't have to dance. Let's just go clubbing. Let's just go do a little dance. It won't be long before you're dancing right up to the bar. 
See, Jesus said this. He said, if your eye offends you, do what? If your right hand offends you, do what? Cut it off. I grew up in Minneapolis, Twin City area. Got a lot of people in the Twin Cities. Not as many in the Bay Area, but hundreds of thousands and even millions of people there. I'm a city boy. I like the city. Where I went to treatment was a town of about 16,000. It would be like a farm town to me in those days. But you know what I did? I stayed in that city because I knew that I wasn't ready for the big city. Because in the big city, there were too many temptations. There were too many triggers. And I was smart enough, not real smart, but I was smart enough to know that if I put myself in a position where I wasn't strong enough to handle, it wouldn't be long before I was back in that scene. Now somebody says, well, pastor, that's fine. That's great. That worked for you. But I just don't have the luxury of up and going 100 miles away or 200 miles away. What am I to do? You can do a lot. You can cut off relationships. You can avoid going that route home. You don't have to drive by that bar. You don't have to drive past that porn shop. Separate yourself from things that have hindered you. For some people, it means taking credit cards and just cutting them up. For other people, and I had a family member, and he wouldn't mind sharing this, that he had some porn going on in his life. When he got to the point where he said, Hey, enough is enough. He literally just about threw his computer out the window. And I paid for that thing. But I'd rather see a busted, broken computer than a busted, broken life. Oh, come on, somebody. You have just got to do what you've got to do. Hallelujah. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. There are places you can't go anymore. There's people you can't hang out with anymore. There are people that talk so much doubt and unbelief that every time you get around them, it just bums you out. I got a clue for you. Love them from afar. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just thank Him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, there's so much help that's available. There's so much power that's available. There is so much God that is available for you and for me. There's so much anointing available that will set you free. But it will cost you. It'll cost you some time. It'll cost you some energy. It'll cost you some diligence. It may even cost you some close, as it were, friends, but aren't really friends when you really take a close look at it. Ready to go just a little bit further tonight? 
So I stayed in that town till I was ready. And then my next step was I went down to Ramah. And in the midst of all this, I got born again. And I met me a blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl from Pawnee. And we're married 38 years. Thank you, Lord. But now here's, here's a big key. Associate with the right people. Paul said to the church of Corinth, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's a little bit blind to us. Another translation says, Don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. Bad books can destroy you. Bad music can destroy you. Do you know that woven in some of that heavy, heavy rock music is a demonic flow? Now, I'm not here telling you what to listen to, what not to listen to. But all I'm saying is if you're listening to things that bring you back... It's there to take you off track. All I'm saying is whatever you've got to close the door on, close it. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Somebody says, How can you talk like this in church? This is the kind of talk that's needed in church. It's needed in church. The divorce rate among Christians is as high just about as in the world. Don't fool yourself. Bad friends will destroy you. Another translation says, don't be deceived. Bad companies ruins good morals. Now, this gentleman that was my counselor in AA back in 1974 and 75, his name was Gary Sullivan. At the time that I went into treatment, He had been sober for 25 years. He was an alcoholic. And Gary pulled me aside one day because he saw something in me that was serious about completing my treatment and staying sober. See, I didn't go in there from the courts. I didn't go in there because I got busted and I didn't have a choice. I went in there because I had come to an end to myself. Here's what Gary told me. He said, take a look around, Mark, this treatment center. In this treatment center, you're going to see winners and you're going to see whiners. You're going to see victors, so to speak, and you're going to see victims. And he said, Mark, he says, I want you to identify the winners and I want you to run with the winners. And God will enable you to identify those that, listen now, those that have overcome, come on, And that are overcoming. There are people that God will bring across your path. Those are the kind of people that you want to associate with. Those are the kind of people you want to have coffee with. Those are the kind of people you want to develop relationships with. And that is what I did. And that's what I've done. And that's what I'm still doing today. You see, a huge key to freedom is who are you spending time with who are you spending time with we should be spending more time with him proverbs 13:20 says he that walketh with wise men shall be wise but a companion of fools shall be destroyed i want to say it to you like this anyone 
who's not helping you fulfill your destiny is hurting you. So evaluate your relationships and your friendships and be willing to sever them if necessary. Build fences around your quality decision. And here's the last one I'm going to share with you. There's a lot, but there's some weeks to go and there's some others that will be sharing. Here's another one, and it's found in John chapter 5. This secret here is desire. 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 God will fuel your desire. When you look in the Word of God, you'll see over and over again the word desire. What things soever you what desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. He said, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you what? Desire. The desires of your heart. In John 5, 1, it says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, had five porches, great multitude were lying around, impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Why? Because an angel had gone down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made what? Whole. Made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity. How many years? 38 years. I mean, 38 years is a long time. It's chronic. It's a long time. But guess what? It's nothing in the eyes of God. And there's nothing too big. And there's nothing that you've had too long that His mercy will not cover. And when Jesus saw him lie... He knew that he had been there a long time, and he said unto him, and this is the question that I believe he's asking all of us tonight, is, wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be debt free? Do you want to get rid of that addiction? Do you want to have your anger be controlled? Wilt thou be made whole? How strong is your want to? How strong is your want to? Because if it's not strong enough, you'll not make it. The impotent man said, Sir, I have no man. He had his perspective in the wrong place. He was looking to man. But the man was standing right in front of him. He said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Jesus said unto him, Rise, Take up your bed and walk. I'm telling you, before you can walk, before you can take up your bed, you've got to get up. And notice what happened. Immediately the man was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. What am I saying to you tonight? In order for change to take place, you must have a strong desire to change. How strong? This is a message by John Osteen. How strong is your want to? You can fill in the blank. Let me ask you this tonight. Is your want to strong enough to blank? Is your want to strong enough 
to get rid of the credit cards? Is your strong, is your want to strong enough to move out of that home where you're living with another person because of financial convenience? Do you have enough dignity about yourself to say this is not right? And I don't care what kind of check I'm getting from the government for it. I'm not going to live under this roof of bondage anymore. I'm moving on up. I'm moving out. I'm moving up. I get tired of people saying, well, we've got to live together because it's more convenient financially. Well, be inconvenienced then. If anybody was wondering how I felt about it, I just said it. (laughs) Now I know that a lot of baby Christians don't understand that, and I know that God works with them and God ministers to them, but I'm telling you, you've got to come to a point and a place in your life where you know what's right and you do what's right. That is, if you want to be Free indeed. Are you ready to leave that girlfriend? How strong is your want to? Are you ready to leave that boyfriend? Are you ready to say, you know, these prescription drugs have got me in bondage? And I'm done with them. Now before you throw them in the toilet, talk to your doctor. How strong is your want to? Sometimes you've got to change churches. You know me, I'm not advocating anyone leave a church unless God leads you to leave a church. How strong is your want to? Tell me how badly do you really want it? And I know this could preach even better on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to look into the camera tonight to those that are not here that may be watching and I'm going to ask you this question do you have what it takes on the inside of you to make the right choices and the right decisions do you have on the inside of you the desire to be free and if the answer is yes to that you're on your way people perceive change and this kind of message as a, uh, you know, I just don't want to admit that I'm weak. They don't want to admit their weaknesses. How many of you know it takes a strong person to look at their life and admit that they need to change? The water is moving. The water is being troubled. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The Lord is in this place tonight. Are you willing to rise up? Are you willing to take up your bet? And are you willing to walk? You see, sometimes we've got to stir things up in order for change to be initiated in our lives. So I encourage you to embrace the changes. Don't resist them. Lay aside the weights. Lay aside the sin. And get on fire for God. And build a strong life and relationship 
with him. Hallelujah. Father, right now, let's pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus.